This is the Calm Living Blueprint Podcast, episode number one. Hey, podcast listener. Even if you are feeling alone in your pursuit of calm and confidence, know that today, right now, in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of others all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. At Calm Living, we believe it's only when we stop struggling against our fearfulness and our anxiety that we begin to find lasting freedom from it, to live the lives we want to live. That is what this podcast is about. Come join the Confidence Revolution. Well, hello. Welcome to the first episode of the Calm Living Blueprint podcast. Thank you for joining me and taking the time to listen. My name is Candice Esposito, and I will be your humble host. The format of this first episode is going to be a bit different than future episodes. Being the first one, I thought I'd introduce myself, and I know you're probably wondering, why should I listen to her? Is this going to be worth my time? What's in this for me? And I totally get that. Those are all valid questions. So I want to, first of all, answer those questions for you so that you can choose whether to keep on listening or not. I'm going to explain why I decided to start this podcast and more importantly, how it will benefit you and why you'll want to keep listening in the future. My goal is to provide you with awesome content, practical content, things you can start implementing and putting into practice right away, actionable items, what I found is working, what I found isn't working. And remember too that as a naturopathic doctor, uh, and if you don't know what that is, no problem, I'll explain that a bit later. As an naturopathic doctor, I'm going to be sharing things that I found not only work for me, but have also worked for the hundreds of clients that I've helped. So the hope is that this will make it easier for you to understand what will work best for you in order to overcome your struggle with social anxiety. Now, the focus of this podcast is going to be on social anxiety because that is what I've experienced myself. I have intimate knowledge of social anxiety. That is what I know best. However, that being said, I want to clarify that because the strategies, the tools, the techniques I'm going to share are based on science and empirical evidence, they can easily be applied to other concerns like stress, like generalized anxiety, performance anxiety, depression, OCD, weight loss, chronic pain, creating healthy habits, overall wellness, just about anything. 
could you benefit from being more psychologically present, more in touch with your values, more able to make room for the inevitable pain of life, more able to distance yourself from unhelpful thoughts, beliefs, and memories, more able to take effective action in the face of emotional discomfort, more able to fully engage in what you're doing, and more able to appreciate each moment of your life no matter how you are feeling. If you answered yes, you'll want to keep listening. That is why I love what I do so much, because when you address the underlying root causes that got you to where you are in the first place, you cannot go wrong. And it does not matter what label, what diagnosis you've been dealt with. Alright, so why should you listen to me in particular? Well, before I answer that, I want to preface this by saying, please do not believe anything just because I say it's so. Believing what others tell you isn't necessarily the best way to solve your problems. I mean, think about it. If it was that easy, you would have gotten rid of your social anxiety long ago, right? So I encourage you to check your own experience first and see if it's true for you. Ask yourself, does this resonate with me? Because you'll know. Trust yourself, you'll know. Okay, so on to me. Well, I suffered from social anxiety for over 20 years. And for most of those years, I didn't even recognize it as social anxiety. I just thought I sucked. I thought I was a freak. And I mean, I had been told I was a freak, afraid of people. Who is afraid of people? No one around me got what I was going through. And I'm not saying that because I blame anyone. I don't think anyone recognized it as what it was. They just didn't know about social anxiety or its effects. I do wish I had a dime for every time someone called me quiet or shy though because I would be an extremely rich lady today because man that got tired quickly and I want to say that there is absolutely nothing wrong with being quiet or shy. In fact I now think of those qualities as virtues in a lot of ways. I mean, I accept the fact that I am quiet and that I am shy and I'm proud of it. But back when I was younger, when I was told that again and again and again in a tone that implied that they are not normal to have, that I should be more extroverted, I should talk more, Well, that had a strong influence on how I saw myself, and it wasn't good. My self-esteem was very low. Now, in future podcast episodes, we'll clarify the differences between social anxiety and shyness and introversion. For now, let's just think of them as being part of a continuous spectrum, where social anxiety is actually at you know, towards the end of the spectrum, where it's severe enough to inhibit your life to affect your day-to-day activities. That's the key. 
So social anxiety got noticeably worse for me when I was about 12, 13 years old. And that seems to be pretty typical for a lot of people that I talk to. I think it's just a reflection that at that age, we are just naturally expected to be more social. You know, we start taking our first few baby steps away from the nest, so to speak, as opposed to hiding behind our parents as much. I had trouble making friends. I remember my parents would question me, why aren't you hanging out with kids your own age after school like normal kids? And I would always come up with some excuse. Uh, oh, there's going to be alcohol there. You don't want me drinking, do you? Or, oh, there's going to be boys there. You don't want me engaging in those activities, do you? And eventually they just stopped asking. In high school, I remember being very depressed about it. I didn't recognize it as depression at the time, of course, but looking back on it now, it's, it's pretty clear that that's what it was. I'm very thankful that I was, um, that I loved to learn. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but I actually looked forward to going to school because I loved to listen to my teachers, to be exposed to new ideas, to open my mind up to new possibilities. My love of learning saved me. That saved me because if I didn't have that, I don't think I would have made it through high school because the social aspects of school were horrible. I can't count the number of participation marks I must have lost because I couldn't bring myself to raise my hand in class. It's not that I didn't know the answer or that I wasn't engaged. I really did want to raise my hand to show my teacher, hey, there's someone here that's actually listening, but I never could. Not once in all my years of school, not in elementary school, in high school, in university, not once did I ever raise my hand. Now, I don't know about you, maybe you can relate, but I dreaded eating in the, cafeter in the cafeteria, uh, eating in public, just in general, but especially in the cafeteria where I would sit all by myself. So I would do things like eat in the bathroom or just skip lunch altogether or sneak off outside somewhere where no one was around. Completely avoiding any social activities at school or after school. Pep rallies, parties, dances, the prom. I didn't even think or consider the option of going to them. I even ducked out of my graduation as soon as I got my diploma. Social anxiety for me hit its worst when I was in university. If you visit calmlivingblueprint.com, calmlivingblueprint.com, the video on the homepage that I did actually tells the story of my experience grocery shopping. I use that as an example. Uh, I was away at school in, at the University of Ottawa, which is about an 11-hour drive from my hometown, Sault Ste. Marie. So I felt completely alone. The, the people that I was closest to, that I could actually talk to, at least on some level, my parents, my grandparents, my brother, they were all back home. I mean, I went hungry sometimes because I couldn't bring myself to go to the grocery store. And when I did, it was always this big ordeal. My life at university was basically wake up, go to class, avoiding talking to classmates or teachers if at all possible, 
and then come back to my apartment. My world basically was that little one-room bachelor apartment in downtown Ottawa. That was an extremely lonely time in my life. I remember my parents would call every Sunday, and I would get myself ready for the call. Like I'd actually prep myself for the call, like clearing my throat and drinking some water because I hadn't used my voice all week and making up things to tell them that I had done during the week with other people. You know, just making these things up because I wanted to ensure them that I was well adjusted and making out okay on my own. I had thought that by going away, going away to university, things would change. It would be a fresh start. No one would know me there. No one would know what I was like. I could just be myself. That I would start talking to people because, well, you know, basically because I had to, I was on my own. Yeah, well, so that didn't go as planned. Uh, It was actually in my intro to psych class that I first read about social anxiety. Now, it was just this small section in her textbook, a couple of sentences, I think. But I remember getting this feeling in my gut as I read the definition. I was like, is this what I have? So that's when I started doing more research into social anxiety and learning more about it. For the next couple of years, that's all I did about it, though. You know, I I read everything I could get my hands on, all the websites I can find online. But I didn't take any action at that point anyway. I thought, you know, I should go speak with the school counselor, for example, but I never did. My second saving grace was my desire to go to medical school. Fortunately, my desire for that became a motivating factor to deal with my social anxiety because my desire to become a doctor was so strong it gave me a bit of a a kick in the butt to start doing something about my anxiety. I just had to in order to become a doctor. And I credit learning about naturopathic medicine and mindfulness which eventually led to discovering what's called acceptance and commitment therapy ACT or ACT for short. I credit those as the reasons why I can speak to you today about all these things in the past tense. They are the reasons I was able to let go of my struggle with social anxiety. So part of the purpose of this podcast is to share with you what I learned, what helped me. We'll cover each of those therapies in a lot of detail over future episodes, and I'm going to break things down for you into a simple step-by-step process, which is great because that's something that I didn't have. I had to put all this together myself. That took me a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of trial and error. So fortunately, you don't have to go through that. Now, it's taken me years of learning, years of working on myself, but I eventually reached a point where I was able to put together all these pieces into a system, and I've been perfecting that system by using it on myself and also with my patients. It's evolved into this system that I now call the Calm Living Blueprint. I still experience anxiety and fear at times. The key difference is that... Now, the anxiety and fear have no bearing on the choices I make in my life. I can not only speak confidently one-on-one with my patients, 
but also in front of large groups of people. I go to the grocery store or to a restaurant whenever I want, free of anxiety. I pick up the phone without hesitation or nervousness. I'm able to do this podcast. I would never have been able to do this years ago. Now, I realize these things may not seem significant to someone who has never suffered from social anxiety, but to those of us who have, perhaps to you, these changes are life-altering. I know inevitably life will bring pain, but I'm okay with that because I know I can handle it effectively now. No longer do I miss out on life's opportunities, on relationships, on fun, on love. I choose to live a life of vitality, and I wish for you the same. The reason I want to tell you all this is because I want you to know that I am in the same boat as you. I, too, get tangled up in my mind, lose touch with the present, engage in these futile battles with my thoughts and feelings, and I probably encounter similar struggles in my life as you do, too. Disappointment, rejection, failure, loss, loneliness, resentment, grief, anxiety, insecurity. This is all part of the human experience. For that reason, I look at us as being fellow travelers on the same human journey, and I believe we can both learn a lot from each other. I don't claim to be some sort of enlightened being that's resolved all their issues, that's got it all together. It's more like you're climbing your mountain over there, and I'm climbing my mountain over here. And from where I am on my mountain... I can see things on your mountain that you can't see, like, hey, there's an avalanche about to happen, or there's an alternative pathway you could take, or hey, you're not using your pickaxe effectively. I'd hate for you to think that I've reached the top of my mountain and I'm just sitting back taking it easy, because the fact is, I'm still climbing, still making mistakes, and still learning from them. And basically, we're all the same. We're all climbing our mountain until the day we die. But here's the thing. You can get better and better at climbing and better and better at learning to appreciate the journey. And that's what the work we do together is all about. That's the intention behind this podcast and what I hope you can take from it. I want to help you. I strongly believe that there is no reason why someone has to struggle with social anxiety. None. And that there are no causes beyond repair, so to speak. There's no lost causes. It may feel like that way sometimes, but I assure you that that's not the case. I mean, look at me. Look at where I was. If I can do this, you can definitely do this. Another thing I want to mention is that if you've interacted with me by email or Facebook, you know that I respond to comments and messages. It's me. I don't have any ghostwriters or social media reps working for me. That's important to me, to be able to interact with people directly. Authenticity, transparency, those are qualities that are really important to me and that I value. And I hope that comes through in the work that I do. 
And I, I encourage you to hold me to that. Call me out on it even because that's something that I, I want to maintain. The other thing that I, I want to be clear about is that I'm not making any claims or guarantees of success here. I would actually advise you to be wary of anyone who does offer you a guarantee. In my opinion, that's a sure sign of insincerity or self-delusion, one or the other. Now, many people feel doubtful at first, starting off this journey, and that's totally okay. The fact is, there is no known treatment that is guaranteed to work for everyone. So I can't promise that what I tell you will work for you. I can tell you it's worked for me, and it's worked for lots of other people, and I could pull out all the published studies and the research papers and so on. But that still wouldn't guarantee it will work for you. However, here's something that I can guarantee. If you stop the work every time you have the thought, this won't work, then I can absolutely guarantee that you won't get anywhere. So even though you may be having the thought that this won't work, are you willing to give it a go anyway? Are you willing to give it a go anyway? Here's a thought that I want to leave you with because I think it's important to reflect on. Think of this as kind of your home play. I like to call it home play instead of homework. It sounds a little nicer. And, you know, life's a game after all. We come here to play. It's a quote from Helen Keller. And Helen Keller said, Life is a daring adventure or nothing. Life is a daring adventure or nothing. You have a choice, a daring adventure or nothing. Which do you choose? Do you want to grow to explore, to develop your full potential? Are you curious about what you'll discover? Are you willing to make room for the discomfort and anxiety that may come up? If you answered yes, then I say to you, let's do this. Subscribe to this podcast so that you can join me next week for episode number two. Till then, thanks for listening to the Calm Living Blueprint podcast. I'm Candice Esposito. Keep calm and carry on. Mm-hmm.